Nick. Daryl. Welcome back to the podcast. No okay. one likes the Tuna podcast. Mm-hmm. 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 Usually dedicated, but this time, thankfully, on a little in-betweener. Yeah, we're this on week we watched. Mm-hmm. This week we watched Annapolis 2006? Nine? Six, 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 six. Because I know this only because it's the same year as Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last episode, I mentioned that both Jordana Brewster and Tyrese were in this movie. Mm-hmm. Which they are. Um, which inherently places it right in the center of the universe. But I failed to mention one fact about this movie. Which is the reason I had put it on the in-betweener list in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Directed by Justin Lin? Directed by Justin Lin. Yeah. Crazy. Um, <laughs> crazy. And I, more. Yeah. yeah. This was a big old bring your friends to movie kind of uh, project here. Uh, many friends. In fact. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So people he'd worked with before, not Tyrese, not Jordana mm-hmm. Brewster, but he had worked with. I mean, Sean's dad is Sean, Bo- Mr. Boswell is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian Goodman, yeah. The Good old Sean Boswell's dad. Yeah. Yeah. The same year, which is a crazy thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, I had basically got this movie confused with another movie called... Shit. Something Fisher. It's an Antoine Fuqua movie. Basically about... I feel like the same kind of thing. Like a a cadet who, yeah, I'm never going to be able to find it right off the bat. Um, it's about a c- cadet who has, like, struggles within the cadet academy, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure what it's called. But this, this movie is not that. It is a 2006 <laughs> movie directed by Justin Lin, starring... Uh, Tyrese, Jordana Brewster, and our friend, um, James Franco, James Franco, Frank Franco. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. What'd you think? Had you seen it before? So I had seen it before. Um, and I remembered it a lot more. I remembered a lot more boxing in the movie Uh because in this one, I think it was at least 40, 50 minutes in before there was any I guess there's all right. Opening scene is boxing, but he doesn't do any boxing at the academy until until way later. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think all right. So I don't have any like military family, and mm-hmm. I like you know I don't know what it's like to grow up around Annapolis and to have um, people going into you know uh, Naval Academy, Air Force Academy. It's supposed to be right out of high school. Is that yeah? Is it like a like a replacement or like a alternative? Yeah, college for a, route? for a university. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, yeah. um, we had a kid at the end of high school who was applying to West Point, which is mm-hmm. the army version of Annapolis. 
the Naval Academy in Annapolis. So, yeah. um, and he had to do like he obviously you they're hard to get into. That's yeah. not a lie. This movie tells you they're hard to get into, and that's why it's a surprise that James Franco, who is like this bum ass C plus student from a shipyard in Maryland, gets into it. But they are generally very hard to get into. Uh, mm -hmm. You need extremely good grades. You need a recommendation from a senator, I think. Well, I think you you have to like interview with either a congressman or a senator hmm. um, wow. from your state, and have them write you like a letter of recommendation. Um, and you need to pass a physical. There's like a physical exam entrance part where you need mm -hmm. to like pass certain markers. So I remember being in the gym one day and this kid who was applying to West Point was like doing <laughs> the physical exam. It was wild. He was like mm -hmm. on his knees and he was trying to throw a medicine ball as far as he possibly could. That was like one of the tests, I guess. <laughs> Which is crazy nice. to think about. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I don't have that baseline to work off of. Like I don't know anybody really who sort of went that path. So in that sense... Um, a lot of this was born to me in terms mm -hmm. of pulling on those particular heartstrings around, you know, leaving your hometown, getting into the right school, and, um, you know, the pride and accomplishment that comes with that. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, I liked the movie originally when I watched it. I didn't dislike this movie. I think for the right. for the number of cameos that I was surprised in seeing, um, I think ultimately the watch through was kind of nice. I I agree. I mean, I have one big problem with this movie, which I'll get to later. But mm -hmm. um, I get it's like a, it's extremely competently directed, which is the one mm -hmm. thing I think we don't. I mean, uh, we do because we watch his movies literally almost every week. Um, but we don't give Justin Crin, Justin Lin enough credit a lot of the time for thinking like, he's a very competent director. And the reason that those Fast and Furious movies are successful is because he, because he is mm -hmm. and knows what he's doing. And um, it's just easy to forget that because he's been doing the same franchise over and over again. But mm -hmm. um, he, he's good at what he does. I didn't like that third Star Trek movie very much, which he directed. Um, but I don't think... It's really his fault that I didn't mm -hmm. like that movie. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, I think Tyrese, where he, this is where he met Tyrese. And oh. he had said in the commentary for Fest 5, he was like, Tyrese and I knew each other from Annapolis. That's where I was like, Annapolis? Oh. He directed Annapolis? Mm. And so I went back and looked, and yes, he had. Um, but Tyrese is kind of popping in this, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, I'm early career Tyrese, and I give a shit. And I'm, mm -hmm. I've got, like, a good, competent director on my, at my back. And I'm like, I'm actually going to, like, put my heart into this character a bit. Yeah. I think he's. I think he sells it really well. He, he plays the part of active duty Marine who's come back to um, the Academy here to give the plebes here a mm -hmm. uh a taste of what it's what it really what takes it's like yeah yeah and i think he does an excellent job i think he does an excellent job i think at times he's like 
ice cold. Sometimes he's pissed off. Sometimes he, mm-hmm. like he really has a kind of a range going on here. You know, it's not like the farthest stretch of the imagination from his general oeuvre. You know what I mean? Or like what what I I imagine Tyrese could fit into as a role. But he's pulling it off very successfully and like compellingly. And he's kind of the standout in this movie to me. Hmm. Hmm. And Tyrese plays other military like side characters he's in um he's in the transformer movies and he a is other... he's a military guy in the transformer movie right but he still yeah. is you know he plays a goofy version of that in those movies and this one it was a nice dramatic role um i agree he's got a movie coming up he's got a superhero movie coming up tyrese does Oh, really? Which is like, it's called Mor- Morbius, I think. <laughs> okay. Not. Stars Jared Leto, our uh-huh. favorite dude. Mm-hmm. As like a vampire superhero. And he, Tyrese plays like the cop who he interacts with. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a movie that was shot and made in like 2018. And like mm-hmm. is finally like, ah, let's throw it out. Like why yeah. I'll throw it out in March. No problem, you know. Um so we'll see. But yeah, sorry. Yeah. So um Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg, hot off well, I guess five years off of Band of Brothers, but he's in it. He's mm-hmm. my guess is Donnie Wahlberg got paid the most. Out of any of these people for doing this. Ooh, interesting. That would be my hot guess. My hot take mm-hmm. guess. It's like commanded the biggest salary. Who commanded the biggest salary on this movie is like, yeah, probably Donnie Wahlberg. Had Franco done, well, it was definitely was Franco, actually. Franco, yeah. He'd done two Spider-Mans at this point. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm pretty mm. sure. Because Spider-Man 1 is 2001. It came out the week after September 11th. Well, As far as I... Is that right? Was it a fall movie? It's 2002. That's not... So that's not true. I remember that maybe the trailer dropped like right after September 11th. Something happened. Anyway. Mm-hmm. You have a memory logged. I got some kind of Spider-Man and September 11th memory stuck in my brain. And mm-hmm. if someone wants to tell me on Twitter like <laughs> what that is, hit me up at Null Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'd been in Spider-Man 1 and I guess Spider-Man 2. And so he was like, he was probably getting, getting paid for this. Hadn't yet goblined it up in 2007 for Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. But he was probably mm-hmm. shooting these Back to back, Spider Man three, and then this, yeah, yeah, or vice versa. Um, yeah. What do you think of? What do we think of Franco? Um, I mean, I think he does a great job in this movie. It's, I think it's one of the first. Yeah, it's either this or Spider Man, and I like. I remember this movie being good when I watched it originally, and I mean. You still I like that, that he gets yeah. yeah, and he's ripped. And he has to, you know, he had to train in order to uh, play Definitely. this part. And I, you know, that's no easy task. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought Franco was um, probably a good casting choice at this point in terms of like his level of fame, in terms of like where you want to propel your mid-budget movie to. I uh, Franco's never been my guy. Mm-hmm. I've never found him be a... Com- I've never found him to be a compelling movie star. I've also never found him to be an entirely convincing actor. Hmm. Um, and without he, one or the other, it's hard for me to engage. Right. I think he started the movie with a little bit of an accent and mm-hmm. promptly gave up on it. <laughs> like those first couple of shooting days, he was like dropping it in. And, and then like at a certain point, Justin, like, walked, it was like, James, I think, yeah, do you think maybe we should just, yeah, let's just leave. So like, let's just try, let's just try at first, first day is like, let's just try one without. Let's just try one. Just try it. Just try mm. one without. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not sure what your source material was for yeah. the development of this accent, but just yeah, forget about shot it. without. Yeah. Let's do one take just so we have it. Just so editorial can get off my back. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I... Jordana is like a nothing character in this movie, unfortunately. She plays a mix between Top Gun Charlie. Yep. And, um, and Mia Toretto. Yeah. Oh, she's got like a Cadet Kelly kind of vibe going on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she, she's his commanding officer below Donnie Wahlberg. But I guess like on almost on par with Tyrese, I'm not quite sure where she is in the line of whatever. I just think mm-hmm. like she, not that like she does a bad job. I think she does a fine job. I just think like her character is in a place where they don't give her a lot to do other than like make goo goo eyes at James Franco for the right. most part. Right. In reality, there would be a much um, thicker line between supervisory and yeah like commanding officer and and plebe right i don't care that much about that i just like the help that he gets from jordana brewster's character like what he needs to get to feed off of and continue his arc emotionally with jordana brewster's character he gets much stronger from other male characters in this movie right Mm -hmm. like he needs mm-hmm. training, he gets Donnie Wahlberg. He needs authority, he gets Tyrese. He needs friendship, he gets his friend who he lives with or whatever, right? He needs, like, adversarial thing, he gets that from Lou. He need, You know, all the stuff he sort of needs to get to develop emotionally throughout his arc in the movie, there's other people in this movie to sort of complete that arc for him. Mm-hmm. And Jordana is there to sort of be his romantic interest, which is fine. It's just, it's a little bit of a waste of her talents in my mm-hmm. in terms of what she can bring to the table. I could see that. It's almost like they, um, I don't know, they added her in, potentially not for the character, but for the audience. Yeah. Yeah, they gotta give the guy a love interest. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 
And, like, the reason she's his commanding officer is just for that gimmick in the beginning when he hits out on her at the bar not knowing who she is, and then he shows up on his first day. And, she, and like, that's her point in the movie. That, like, is the purpose of her being there in the movie is for that gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about Franco in this movie is that, like, I did not find the qualities of his character or his general attitude about almost anything endearing or like likable at all. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he's a shitty student. He's kind of a shitty friend. His whole attitude is like fucking like whatever, man. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. the movie tries to resent him in this way. That's like, he's standing up to authority and like for some sort of righteous cause, but he's actually just kind of like a dickhead for a lot of the movie. Right. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, I'll say that that, like, when I originally watched the movie, I thought it was a, like, a military fight movie, boxing movie. I think in watching it again now, it's really a coming of age. Yeah. And the reason why we have James Franco, Jake Heward here presented in all these ways is because that's what he is. At the time, he's an 18-year-old hotshot asshole who is, like, coming in um kind of preloaded with a lot of emotion and um you know ideas about how he's going to do in Annapolis and I think all of the other yeah all of these supporting characters are here to prove and disprove and move them along yeah I yeah I think so I think so too um so I know I'm shitting on this movie, but, like, I kind of enjoy it. Like, I think Tyrese is compelling. I think Wahlberg is good. The boxing thing, like, I enjoyed the boxing. I enjoy boxing movies. I enjoyed the boxing scenes in this movie for the most part. Um, I think boxing is a particularly hard thing to shoot well. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... Justin does a very, in my mind, clever thing, which is... Do to sort of a limited time and budget. I'm not sure, like... Like, I just think boxing is very complicated and a very mm-hmm. very tough thing to capture on screen. And um, can be very boring if not done right and can be... get lost in... Like, you just can't see what's happening if done wrong. Um, and so I think he does some clever things, which is he basically shorthands a lot of the physical fighting, which is, like... He moves pretty quickly. He uses a lot of doubles. He uses a lot of shots from behind, you know, and like doesn't construct things narratively in a way where you can basically see the 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 moments you need to see in the actual physical fight of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But maybe you don't get like the actual action of what you know what went down. Mm-hmm. Fine. He basically does it in a shorthand that works and probably worked for the shooting schedule in terms of like what needed to happen, how quick it needed to happen. But then he also does this thing where he spends these time, he uses like the breaks between rounds to like really create the narrative tensionist moments and like the emotional heft of the boxing scenes, which I think was a super smart choice. There's this one thing where he goes back and forth between Franco's face and Tyrese's face mm-hmm. and they go, it like, Starts with like a mid and then like a, a close up and then extreme close up and then just like the eyes and gets in there. 
and it's super effective. You're like, oh mm-hmm. hell yeah, you know, yeah. like like what's gonna happen here? So, um, that's why I think Lynn is like particularly good at this. Whereas even though even if he doesn't have the technical skill to film these boxing scenes, or even if he does, sometimes you just don't have the budget to spend on training and, you know, rehearsal days and time, you know, just to set those things up. So what he does is he uses his crew and time to shorthand it, but also creates, gets, still gets to the emotional point of those scenes in a different way, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was super clever. That being all ugh, said... I think the boxing plot line in this movie is completely irrelevant and they should have cut it <laughs> and put instead some sort of movie storyline that had to do with, you know, like him succeeding at like him succeeding both physically and mentally, you know, like in growing up and becoming an adult in like, drilling down at his defects mm-hmm. versus like, he's a pretty good boxer in the beginning and then he trains and then he's like a good boxer. And that's the, and like sort of emotionally defeats Tyrese, even though he doesn't beat him at boxing. That's the arc of the movie mm-hmm. where it's like, it could be he's, he's yes, he's well suited for this and he's a natural leader, but he's cocksure and he's not a good student. And we have to, watch him develop those things, but then use those things in a final task to like show that he has grown and developed those in an emotional way. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's like war games and he ha- he's like an oddball choice for a captain in the war games. And, you know, no pleb has ever been a, a captain, you know, but like <laughs> for some reason they may, you know, it's like it's a firecracker choice. And everybody right. thinks he's going to fail, you know, including Tyrese, who's the opposite captain, you know, and blah, 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 blah. But then he pulls it off or some, some, something like that. Something where he could use his emotional intelligence that he's gained. Right. You know, I forgot what it's head. called. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you, we want him to be on the, on the Star Trek uh, Captain Kirk plot line. That's, right? Yes. <laughs> basically yes what's what's the name of that uh what's that name of that puzzle that vulcan puzzle they have to do the the uh the something maru the kobayashi maru Kobayashi. yeah yeah i want exactly that's exactly what i want to i want to like get kobayashi maru this thing and yeah make it happen you know right in the end instead of like just being a boxing fight Mm-hmm. Which I get mm-hmm. it. It's like there is like boxing in the Navy. Like that's a thing you can do in the Navy as as a extracurricular. Not just mm-hmm. in the Naval. I don't even know if they have it at the Naval Academy itself. Mm-hmm. But I know in the actual Navy you can be a boxer. It's like Golden Glove boxing, and you can you can um, win. Uh, you know, it's like a really prestigious, uh, like, uh, boxing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, anyway, um, but I, so I get that the reason for them to show boxing as a part of naval culture, mm-hmm. just, it just, well, I'll speak to like the one thing I actually had a problem with in this movie. Every other thing is like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
if you have a suicide attempt, attempt of the pretty much only endearing character in the entire movie that we actually like, mm-hmm. and this guy like tr- fails and then tries to kill himself. And then you want us to go back to caring about boxing. Like, it's not going to happen, my dude. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, I care way more about his friend who tried to kill himself, like, and his failure at completing the course in within four seconds of, you know, the margin. I care way more about that. And I wish they had done something, you know. I get they have, like, the court martial plot line, and kind of. It's like they just don't care about it enough. Yeah. they They use it. Only as a a development piece for Jake for Huey. Franco, yeah, right for Franco, yeah. and yeah, like in kind of retaliating against um, what's his name, Lieutenant Cole. Um, he's you know shows immaturity, like yeah, that he's not that he's not under under control and. Right. We're led to believe that through boxing and then plus the master of his studies, the um, support from his, the rest of his crew doing burpees in the rain, that in the moment he's overcome all the things they do. Right. Doing. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what else we got on Annapolis? Um... Do we recognize um, Nance, twins, his friend? So I thought I knew him. I looked him up later, and I figured out why. So actor's name is Vassellis Shannon, Mm -hmm. and the reason why I recognize him is because I used to watch D2 Mighty Ducks religiously when I was a kid, and he plays James Tyler. So if you remember the street hockey scene uh, where Whoa. they introduced the guy with the knuckle puck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. So Nance here plays the older brother of the guy, but he's there. They're doing whoop, there it is. Like, that's his scene. He's kind of the leader of that street hockey crew. Okay. I mean, the dude's working. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm looking at his IMDb right now. He's been in stuff since this. Mm-hmm. Um... You know, he does TV, like some episodes of TV shows. He's like a bit right. part player, which is cool. It's like a way to make a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. that was surprising. Um, Lou, like actor Roger Fan, he's not only yep. in Better Luck Tomorrow. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah. He also plays like a side FBI character in Fast and Furious 4. He shows up at Dwight's um, foot party and is there to help Brian bust him to get him out of the race. Really? You know? That I didn't know. Yeah. So he's getting he's his one... Bud's parts all over the place. Here, <laughs> yeah. but the, the weird thing is both this and three come out in 2006. I This was certainly made after Tokyo Drift in my mind mm-hmm. because I think Tokyo Drift had a much longer um, release span. Like between when it was in the bin and when it like, and when it came out, because I think they got to a certain point in editorial and realized that it was like, okay for a theatrical 
They like mm-hmm. okay to theatrical release, and then that takes time to sort of like retool the marketing campaign and like put more money in and like hire people. You know, it just takes time to sort of re-gear it for a release that um, you haven't planned on. So mm-hmm. I think that probably Tokyo Drift was gonna come out in 2005 and then this movie in 2006, but just got pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he brings along Mr. Boswell. He mm-hmm. brings along, obviously, uh, uh, Lou. Um, and he also meets um, some of his future collaborators in Jordana Brewster and uh, Tyrese. Right. There's so. one more small one in here. So oh. Estrada, who um, who ends up getting thrown out for not taking his required showers, he plays like one of the drivers who one of the drivers in Fast and the Furious Four who makes it across the border and is there for that big old shootout. You got all these. How'd you find yeah. all these? I was just, I was like looking through the cast list. Like the um, Roger Fan, I kind of knew. And I was like, he's a dude that people know. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dude that people know. I like accidentally found this Estrada one. Wow. Yeah. And then um, Jake's hometown friend, Jim Parrick, AKA Kenny Linder in Fast Night. What the fuck? Really? Yeah. <laughs> he plays yeah, young Kenny Linder. Wow. Crazy. That's crazy. This this is like movie for you must have been like what it was like when I was watching Avatar for the first time. Uh-huh. And like the the like blue guy who's not the main guy. <laughs> I don't know how mm-hmm. to describe it. Like his like adversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the in the Avatar world, right. is fucking Lazalonzo who plays Phoenix in Fast Four. <laughs> and I, I like when I found out it was Lazalonzo, I was like, "What the fuck? Like that's the craziest thing I've ever, 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 ever discovered." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Annapolis is like not a bad movie, and I wouldn't suggest not watching it. Like it's, it's pretty good. There's some funny lines. The whole Mississippi thing was like, I thought good and clever Mm -hmm. and funny. The, um, training montage was hilarious only because like I half expected like a, a a paper to be slapped down with like a C plus on it. And he's like, (laughs) yeah, "Yeah." you know, like there's nothing I like better than a montage in which like a failing student becomes like a C plus student. Yeah. That's one of the best things in movies. <laughs> they do have the whole like candy bar of like piece of it. Yeah. Like he has to bulk up, so he's constantly eating Twinkies <laughs> and Snickers and stuff. I like that one a lot. Yeah, and like right before he weighs in, he drops a, a Rick uh, like a Snickers in a piece of Wonder Bread and shoves oh, it in yeah. his mouth. <laughs> and like, I guess the James, that is the James Franco thing is like, he has one of the world's great smiles, like that mm-hmm. sort of gleeful, like piece of shit. I'm a piece of shit, but I know it. <laughs> Smile is kind of James Franco's winning, uh, winning trademark there, I think, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, anywho. Um, so I wanted to. 
maybe hear your thoughts. What do you think the lesson of this movie is? <laughs> I mean, joking really, jokingly yeah. or in like reality, you know, like uh both. I guess jokingly is like I don't know. If you can like fuck around and you'll get a bunch of other <laughs> you'll get a, like a four if you're like the right kind of person and handsome and charming enough, you'll get like four chances at things, right? Yeah. Um and Yeah, go ahead. Success is based on your ability to memorize trivia. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Big misconception, you know? Yeah. I mean, I really do feel like at a certain point, like they're they're saying, like, if you look like James Franco and are sort of charming enough, like you can basically float by at mm. like minimum required effort levels. And and like, yes, you do need to put in a little effort once in a while, you know? Mm. But you'll have like a nerd you live with to help you out with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So and you know you're doing it right when your superior officer sort of like goes against the rules and falls for you. Right, definitely. definitely. Good sign. Good sign, Good guy. Sign. Good, Good sign. sign. God, it was just like when they fall on each other, like it's just the most atrocious, <laughs> stupid thing. I hate that. You know? Um anyway. Yeah, I mean, but in reality, I think the the lesson is like you got to grow up, mm-hmm. right? If you're, if you want, if you have serious goals, you have to be a serious person. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Yeah. I also had on here, um, father's disappointment is great fuel for young men. Always, always. always it's a sort always. of a theme throughout Justin Lin movies. Mm-hmm, a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Respect is everything. Respect is everything. Authority. And respect for authority, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from your peers. And then, you know, winning is winning, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. As long as you can claim a moral victory. Mm-hmm. Right? Um... As long as you can claim a moral victory, then you you win. Anyway, um, would you want to claim some moral victories about what maybe like we did or bought or like sold or I don't know? You want to do some shout outs? <laughs> uh, we can do a shout out. Hold on, let me think of one. Okay, I'm waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, I got one. Mm-hmm. I'll start us off while you think. I'm gonna send you a picture of my shout out. Cool. Yeah. This is a this is a this is a visual this is a visual shout out. I want to show you what I did yesterday. Let me know when you. Oh, oh, oh shit! Wrong person. <laughs> Whoops. This is entertaining. This is extremely entertaining uh, <laughs> audio for Beagle. All right, I'm sending Daryl a picture. Mm-hmm. Holy smoly. Yeah. 
Is that an airplane? You want to describe? Yeah. You want to describe right. what it looks so, like? I'm looking here at a what appears to be the inside of a cockpit of a propeller plane. Oh my goodness. That are you, Nick Nocera, flying? A real plane. Correct. You're you're flying this by yourself? Definitely not. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you're in control of this aircraft. Correct. Wow. Not at the exact moment I'm taking this picture because it was sort of like be in control or not don't be in control. Uh-huh, <laughs> like or uh-huh. take pictures. Which I thought was fair. Um yeah, I had a one I had my first flying lesson. Wow. Yesterday. Super cool. It was fucking awesome, dude. It was like it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, is, is this yeah. the first step on a path to getting a pilot's yeah, it's more license? more of like a check it out, see if you like it thing. I okay. liked it a lot. I don't know that I have the time nor like a money to get a pilot's license. But if I did have both at this moment, I think it would be something I would be pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. It was a beautiful day to fly. It was like, yeah, it was just awesome. It was just awesome. Like we went up. Flew around like the North Shore, checked out all these islands, flew over the coast. And then, like, once we were up at like 2,000 feet, 1,500 to 2,000 feet, he was like, I grab a stick. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. Cool. He was like, there you go. Just lean it back, pitch up, mm-hmm. push forward, pitch down, left, you know, roll left, roll right. That's it. He's like, fly I wherever mean- you want to fly. I imagine it was like my first time operating a car. I was white knuckling it. My armpits are all sweaty. Very nervous. Yeah. Were you calm and collected with uh, with the stick? I was like, no, I wasn't <laughs> calm and collected. I was definitely um, paying attention. So I mm-hmm. didn't have like, I wasn't actively being like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. Yeah, I don't think. I, you know, I don't know what this my flight instructor's perception of me was, but um, mm. I definitely was, yeah, I was like, okay, okay. You know, I was like in the in, in a mode where I was like, I need to pay attention very directly to this and like look at this and look at the instruments, you know, and like feel it. I mean, the trim was set, everything was set. So it's like, if I let go of the stick, it basically, I need to put like little corrective inputs into it, but it's like a pretty stable aircraft. I was flying a Robin R2120. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's a small, it's a single piston aircraft. Um, it's very stable. It was like flying well, totally fine. You know, we were going like 94 knots. It was great though. I mean, I got to tell you, it was, it was, it was, it was so much fun. I couldn't believe it. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you have to do you have to wear a flight suit? No, you're not going that high. Uh, do I have to what? Wear a flight suit? You no, no, like no, a, no, no, nothing like that. You're not going that high. I was in my t-shirt, had my sunglasses on. I had a radio. Wow, cool. You know? It was awesome. I would suggest, right. highly, highly, highly suggest, even if you have no interest in like, be, like just go do it. I'm sure you can find a local airfield around you that will give you like an introductory test flight for 150 bucks or whatever, you know, and, and you just go do it. Um, I mean, I just can't emphasize enough how much fun it was. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I was something I've been 
sort of talking about doing for a while, but then yesterday my wife bought it for me as a birthday present. So wow, yeah, that's right. That's very nice. Yeah, that yeah, was cool. So anyway, shout out to that. Shout out to my flight instructor Campbell. It was a good dude. Mm-hmm. Had a good time. Excellent. Yeah. So I just sent you a picture of the thing that I'm going to shout out to you. Hell yeah. Let me know what you see here. Ooh. <laughs> I like this sort of visual shout out thing. It's kind of nice. I'm seeing a pulled pork, maybe. Uh-huh. Did you slow roast so, a pulled pork? So, yeah, I've been testing. This is my second one. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks ago, I tried it the first time. We had kind of a, I don't know, like a pork shoulder mystery meat that has been in our fridge for a long time. I was like, you know what? I'm going to defrost it. I'm going to figure out how to do this. I just did a salt and pepper rub, and I put down some, like, carrots and stuff to keep it off the bottom. First one was, like, very tasty. I did it at 325 for four hours. A little bit hot. This one, little bit 300 hot. for six hours. Mm. Delicious. I'd say go slower. 250 yeah. for, like, eight. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do next. I've been yeah. dropping it down. I liked... I like 300 at six, but uh, this is, well, I'll try something else for my third Here's one. Here's the other thing I did at one point. Um, mm-hmm. You can do a thing called walk smoking if you have a that's walk, uh-huh. um, which I'm not sure if that's a thing you. Oh. I do have a walk. Okay. Yeah. I, I may be skipping a step, so like you should look it up. But basically, what you do is you take wood chips, like smoking wood chips you would put in a barbecue smoker. Wet mm-hmm. them. You soak them. You get them wet. Not, dr- but then and let them dry off. A paper towel dry them so that they're not like dripping. You heat the wok up high. You throw them directly on the wok. Mm-hmm. On this is on the stovetop. Okay. So that they basically burn and smoke off. Then you put a grill on top of the wok, like a circular grill or some kind of grating on top of the wok. Mm-hmm. Your your Pull pork goes on top of that, your pork shoulder. And then you basically create a big tent with tinfoil over the top. So it's mm. not like super touching the thing, but you know, you, you're encapsulating the smoke. And mm. you can poke a couple of holes in it. Basically, you want to rock that for like half an hour. And to start. To start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that way you'll get that smoke infusion you would get on a barbecue. And then Whoa. you can 250 it in the oven for another like seven, eight hours. Mm-hmm. And you get the fall apart succulent meat, but you also get that ring of smoke infusion going into it. Um, it's a weird but interesting and very, in my opinion, successful way to stovetop smoke in your own home. Mm-hmm. You don't have to really have outdoor space for it. It does get smoky. I was going to say, am I going to set off a fire alarm? Yeah, maybe take the battery out. Mm-hmm. you're doing it. And like, okay. if you get a range, throw it on. But like, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not gonna like kill. Nothing's gonna kill you. It's not gonna smoke out your whole house. It's gonna be fine, mm-hmm. basically. Um. Uh, and it does not get like billowing, smoky like it would at uh, you know, uh, an outdoor barbecue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, walk smoking is a real thing, and you should give it a shot if you're gonna be making these uh, pulled porks. <laughs> yeah, it looks so- delish though. Oh my god, this is super fun. The cut, it only costs like five, seven bucks for like a little half shoulder like this. So I'm gonna keep experimenting, but uh, yeah, the shout out this week is to 
work on your roast pork because it's fun and delicious. I mean, historically, barbecue is che- was cheap cuts of meat. You know, now, a lot of um, pristine barbecue cuts are pretty expensive because there's demand for them because a lot of people barbecue, right? Mm-hmm. Like a brisket is a pretty expensive cut of meat now because people want a barbecue brisket. Um, mm-hmm. But... Um, yeah, historically, because it, barbecue was invented and developed by uh, poorer black people in the South, you know, it was like a lot of cheap cuts and a lot of like what they could get, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's how those good bar and cooking them in a way that would like service those cuts rather than trying to sort of fit them in the in, into something else. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a huge barbecue guy. And keep rocking it, man. Like fucking that looks delicious. Now you got to yeah. work on your sauce recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got no sauce recipe now, so... Are you a slow I cooker? A... I don't have one. Yeah. You should maybe think about it. Yeah, I would. I don't have any counter space for it. That's the problem. So it I, takes yeah. a lot of it. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, uh, Monsieur, I wish Carson. you the best of luck on your journey to becoming a great barbecue chef. Thank you. Uh, next up, ribs. And next up for us is another cycle. Ooh. What are we doing this cycle? I don't know. We've done them all out of order. We've done, this is a straight cycle We've for us. We've literally done them all in whatever order. We've done them all, done them all. Mm-hmm. So we just thought, watch Too Fast for 10 weeks in a row. <laughs> no. That's always sort of like on the back of my mind. It's like, do we uh-huh. do 10 cycles with just like one, 10 times, two, 10 times, three, 10 times, four, 10 times, five. I mean, it's like, there's, there's really something going on there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That represents such a long period of time. 10 weeks? It's two years. Yeah. That's two years. That's two years. No, No, we're not going to make it. All right. In the future. Sometime in the future. Let's just hit a straight cycle. Let's Uh do it. We'll be all right. All right. right. If you have any other ideas about it, you can reach out to us at Nolt Podcast, N O L T T Podcast. Uh, We are No One Likes the Tuna Podcast on Instagram, No One Likes the Tuna Podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Please, if you want to drop us a review, that would be huge for us. Um, and, uh, it's the best way to help the show out without giving us any money. But if you do want to drop us a buck, which we would totally appreciate, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash no one likes the tuna podcast. We got a couple great patrons up there. We've also got special episodes. Um, and I think we just dropped our transporter three episode on the Patreon. And next up next month. Um, we will be dropping our episode on Crank. We are going through the films of Jason Statham on the Patreon. So if you're interested in that, we also have a bunch of old Resident Evil movies up there. Maybe we'll be doing a special Resident Evil episode in the future. Oh, yeah. Last year. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Bon voyage. Adios, amigo.